The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. If you love comedy movies and Hollywood satire, you're going to want to listen to a brand new podcast called Get It to Dutch. In Get It to Dutch, we play three aspiring screenwriters on a quest to get a script to big-time Hollywood producer Dutch Huxley. Each week on the podcast, we perform a movie script right before your ears. It's like going to a movie with your eyes closed. And we have amazing guest stars, including Tim Robinson, Rob Hubel, Lily Sullivan, Jamie Moyer, and Weird Al Yankovic. Listen to Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey, starting May 9th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everybody. It's Brian Baumgartner here, and I played Kevin Malone on The Office, and I also host this podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Office Deep Dive. In fact, it's our final episode of The Office Deep Dive. As always, I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. And today, we're going to do something a little different. You're going to hear from me, maybe more than you want to. But what I wanted to do today was to look back and finally tell the story of how all of this came to be, how this podcast came to be. And then I want to look forward into our vision for where this podcast goes next, for where it goes into the future, and let you know how excited we all are for our next iteration which, to be clear, will be available on the very same channel that you found this episode today. You don't have to go download a new podcast or go looking for me somewhere else. You'll find me in the very same place that I have been for the last year. But today is February 8th, 2022. And this podcast I launched started almost exactly one year ago today, February 9th. 2021. Now, I'm going to go into the numbers because you know I'm a numbers guy. I'm going to go into the numbers over the last year, which are staggering and humbling to me in a little bit. But I want to start first back in September of 2019. Now, that is two and a half years ago. 
that's where this started. I was shooting a movie in Columbus, Georgia, Electric Jesus, available on all streaming platforms today. And I get a, a call from Ben Silverman saying he wants to talk to me. Now, if Ben Silverman calls and says he wants to talk to me, <laughs> I make time to answer the phone. And I was on the East Coast, he was on the West Coast, and we agreed on 8.30 p.m. on the East Coast, 5.30 his time. And I get on the phone, and I'm introduced to Ling Lee, who works for Ben, and Ben is on the phone, and he says, look, we've been working with Spotify about doing a podcast on The Office, and I want to know your thoughts or if you have any ideas about how we might approach a podcast on The Office. And I say, well, this is amazing. And we run through a couple of ideas and Ling has some ideas and Ben has some ideas. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm in Columbus, Georgia, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little busy right now shooting this movie. So let's talk as soon as I'm back. So I return home and Ling contacts me about having a meeting at their offices. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going up and we're just going to kind of continue the conversation about the podcast. This is the idiot that I am. And I drive up and, oh, I have this errand and it's taking me a little extra time and send an email saying like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit later than I said. And um, she says, no problem, no problem. And so I, I get to their offices and I walk into a conference room, much like the conference room at Dunder Mifflin, about the same size and shape, actually, with a, a giant table in the middle. And I walk in and there's, I don't know, 12 to 15 people around the table, but it feels like 50 to me. And there's a spot at the head of the table, which is clearly for me. And clearly they have been waiting there in this room for me. And so I think, oh, this was not what I thought. I thought we were having a, a casual conversation about how to maybe pursue this podcast. And then the next thing that happens is Ling introduces me to the table as the executive producer of this podcast, the Office Podcast for Spotify. And I think, well, that's not exactly where I thought we were at this moment either. I hope I thought of something good to say. Because <laughs> now I feel completely on the spot. And I had this idea. We could have put together a podcast which would have been a, well, we could have done a professorial explanation of why the office is so great and all of the people who put it together are so great and, and lectured to our listeners. This, this, that idea was not so interesting to me, but what was interesting to me was questions. And the question that I had, which was a true and real question at the time was why is the office bigger now than it was when we were a hit on NBC through conversations, most notably, I would say rain Wilson, definitely Oscar Nunez and Angela Kenzie and Jenna Fisher as well. But most notably, Rain and I would talk and be like, man, I'm getting noticed a lot more in airports again now. Like, it felt different, like palpably different in the world. And my question was 
true and legitimate, which is why. So this is November of 2019. And so we began work right away on this approach, but there was something that I knew that we needed. We had an essentially an eight hour order from Spotify. We knew we wanted to do was to talk to the key people involved. So immediately I go, well, we need some people's blessing and we need their agreement to participate. So I contact Greg Daniels and I ask for his blessing and participation. And he not only agreed to participate and gave me his blessing, he was genuinely excited right away. And I thought, okay, well, we've got Greg, which that's, that's, that's huge. And then I contacted Rain Wilson and Steve Carell and Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey because they had started Office Ladies and John Krasinski. And I wanted to try to get some of our key people on board. Every single person I contacted said, yes, I'm in. But I contacted Rain Wilson early and I said, will you sit down with me? And he says, yes, but after the first of the year, I'm going to be shooting this movie. I'm going to be incredibly busy. I would love to do it. Can we do it now? (sighs) I thought, well, sure. Yes, we're, we're prepared. And we talk for over two hours. And I had had this idea that if we're talking to everybody, aren't people going to want to hear more from these people than just this eight hour story? Well, immediately after this interview, Ling turns to me and says, we've got to release these full interviews. We, we, We have to, because see, for us, there were two parts. One was to tell the story. But the other thing that was so exciting to me was to let people get to know the real people behind the roles that they had played. And I felt like that by me conducting these interviews, that you were going to hear these people in an unfiltered way and in a way that you had never heard them in a standard interview setting before. So... We released Oral History of the Office through Spotify, and people seemed to really like it. And we won a Webby Award for an Oral History of the Office. And a Webby Award, just basically, just know this. It's like the Oscars of podcasts, okay? That's that's at least how it's been explained to me. And, you know, all of us were incredibly satisfied with the attention that an Oral History of the Office got because we put our heart and our soul into it. But I still said, we have to release these interviews. By the time we had completed interviewing folks for an oral history of the office, we had over a hundred hours of recorded interviews. I was like, we're just going to cut that down to eight and throw away over 92 hours. See, there's some of the math at work. And that's where the office deep dive was born. In a year plus, we've done 73 podcast episodes. Over the last year, we've never taken a week off. We had 48 guests, 63 call-in guests, so listeners like you who've called in, and we have total downloads of over 26 million. That is staggering to me and deeply, deeply humbling that 
Not only did you tune in for Steve Carell and John Krasinski, but you tuned in for people that you may never have heard of before this podcast. I mean, Greg Daniels interviews still one of the highest listened to of all. And crew members, Debbie Pierce, Laverne Caracusi, those episodes, people are listening to them just as much as they're listening uh, to some of the, well, let's just call them household names. So thank you for indulging us and, and for listening to those people who, without them, the office would certainly not be what it is. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zincom slash find. That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone, this is Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey. I'm Mark. I'm Greg. I'm Brendan. And in this new comedy podcast, the three of us play aspiring screenwriters on a quest to get a hit Hollywood script to famous producer Dutch Huxley. Well, I would say one of us is aspiring and the other two are sort of struggling. Which one of us is aspiring? Well, they're going to have to listen to the podcast. Hmm. But I don't know. And I made the podcast. Well, I made the podcast. And I think you guys were along for the ride. Each week, we bring in a script, we read it, and then we give each other notes. And you'll also hear about our adventures navigating the Hollywood uh, system. The show features amazing guests like Tim Robinson, Lily Sullivan, Weird Al Yankovic, and Rob Hubel. And like any great blockbuster, it's filled with heartbreak, adventure, suspense, and just a little tasteful nudity. 
And some distasteful nudity. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, guys. Listen to Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey, starting May 9th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The moments that people gave me throughout the last year, moments that I never knew about, Mike Schur telling me that basically Steve Carell saved people's jobs. I will never forget Mike Schur saying when Steve was confronted with the idea of reducing the cast and his response was no, 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 no. I didn't know that. From Laverne, our head makeup artist telling me during the writer's strike about Greg Daniels writing a personal check to everybody on the crew because he wanted them to feel valued and he knew what a difficult time they were going through during the writer's strike at the holidays. I will never forget that. And I didn't know that before. To Phyllis and Allison Jones being reunited after so many years, me and Steve having the opportunity to FaceTime with Billie Eilish after she won 57 Grammy Awards the night before or whatever. And then hearing from so many of you, the greatest gift that The Office gave me, truly, and I mean this, is being approached by fans who let us know how important it is for them to tell us that The Office has given them comfort during a very difficult time. The fact that the show has connected with people and continues to connect with people so strongly and has brought them comfort during times overseas serving in the military, being hospitalized for a significant illness, having a family issue that they needed comfort for, that The Office has brought them comfort, and that people telling me, giving me the gift of telling me that the office has brought them comfort during a difficult time. That is the greatest gift that the show has given me. And this podcast has given me being able to connect with so many of you who called in, who wrote in questions, who had genuine curiosity about something or just wanted me to know that the office has given them comfort and that they continue to watch is, <laughs> I mean, 
How could that not be humbling? And I have to tell you this. All right. My mom, my mom listens to everything. Okay. Let me be clear. She listens to, to everything, all of the podcasts, and she rarely responds or makes comments about them. But she told me that her absolute favorite episodes were the call-in episodes, hearing from so many of you. So I think that is a testament to, one, well, my mom being cool, but also that everyone who has an opinion has value and that you guys have listened and responded to, again, not just the big stars of The Office, but to everyone who worked on or was a fan of the show. You know, this podcast also (laughs) has provided me with so many uh, incredibly surreal and beautiful moments. I've been to Scranton twice since this podcast journey has begun. What's better than that? Being able to go back to Scranton, not just once, but twice. Through this process, as many of you know, I wrote a book. Welcome to Dunder Mifflin. Myself and Ben Silverman co-authored the book with Greg Daniels, who wrote the foreword. Uh, We talked to Chris Haston, who took so many of the pictures, never before seen pictures that are included in the book, and went back to Chandler Valley Studios, our old home, and walking in like it had been so long and like I had just been there yesterday. I mean, truly like goosebump moments seeing Tom Melby, the guy we worked with all of those years, every single day. He manages the stage there and he showed up in the parking lot with his Dunder Mifflin warehouse shirt on for us and telling us, Ben Silverman and I, about how he has to keep replacing the windscreen that he puts over the gate so that people don't just stand there and take pictures because now there are other shows and other shoots that are happening there. So he puts up a windscreen so that people can't stand there on the street and take pictures and be loud. And that he has to replace that because people come with a knife and they slit a hole in the windscreen so they can pry their cam- they can pry it open so they can get their camera in to take pictures of the front of, well, fictional Dunder Mifflin, but the front of Chandler Valley Studios. It was so awesome to be back there. So many incredible moments that have happened over the last year. And I'm so proud of this podcast and the conversations that I've been able to have with people. And look, I want to continue to talk to people. There are still more people from the office that we haven't spoken to, but I wanted to expand the podcast and I wanted to talk to more of my other friends in the business and meet new friends who have worked on classic television shows and entertained me for years. I worked with a French director for a number of years in the theater. And he taught me an important lesson. You may have heard this before from me, but this is obviously it's made an impact to me. And he taught me that comedy exists off the beat, that there's a predictable rhythm that a lot of comedy falls into, but that true comedy, things that really make us laugh or surprise us happen off the beat. And Greg Daniels, then, I mean, the circle is so clear. Greg Daniels 
talks about that a lot with the office that he wanted to disrupt the predictable beat, the predictable timing of how things would happen because he felt like that would surprise and delight audiences, right? From Pam and Jim getting engaged in the rain at a gas station, right? (laughs) Not in the most romantic bridge with a babbling brook nearby with flowers and flutes. No, that that surprising moment could bring more beauty than anything else. So my next podcast, that's what I decided to call it, Off the Beat, because I want to talk to people throughout television, other entertainers, other comedians, eventually other figures from the sports world, and talk to them not about what everybody talks to them about, their Emmy wins. We'll talk about that. But the moments that happen in their life off the beat, the unexpected moments that happen for them that truly make them one, who they are, and two, make the choices that they make in their art or in their sport. So as we move forward, I'm so excited because I want to keep talking about folks who worked on The Office. I have a couple of guests that I have. I'm so excited. But, you know, a lot of them now are known for other works as well. So that's where we're going with this podcast. And I am so excited to continue to explore the same questions that we've been asking, but explore them with different artists who have excelled in their own areas of expertise for years and years that have entertained us in one way or another, or at least that entertained me. Coming, it is my show after all, right? I want to finish this look over the last year with my good friend, my compadre, my co-author of Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, Ben Silverman. I want to welcome him back onto the podcast here. I mean, look, he's the reason that the office exists in the United States. There, I mean, that's just a fact. He is the reason that you know the show and his insights on well, not just helping to put this podcast together and participate in uh, allowing himself to be interviewed for, I think, four sessions, uh, but also him and I working on this book together. And I wanted to talk a little bit more to Ben about, well, about the last year together. So there it is. And here he is. Everybody, welcome Ben Silverman. squeak I love it bubble and squeak I know bubble and squeak I cook it every morning left over from the night before oh my god I miss you I know how's it going it's great what mic are you using is that like your headphone mic yeah, it's my headphone mic with the burly tones of Brian B. <laughs> um, ben, I'm so excited to be talking to you yet again one year after The Office Deep Dive launched. Now, The Office, as we've talked about a lot, it started as as an underdog show, right? We were, we were like the little engine that could. So much has changed now. In 2022, after all of these years, you don't have to convince anybody to watch the show anymore. And now you and I, 
We've written a book about this show. How does it feel to be a, a best-selling author? It's it's so fun and truly one of the things I tell people first about myself when they meet me. <laughs> Are you a father? Yes. New York Times best-selling author. Uh, yes. No, I, I absolutely. I introduced myself, actually. It is now my first first name is New York Times bestselling author Ben Silverman. So that it, it's something I'm running with. I've taken on so much new kind of creative authority and ownership of my, my life process. It's fabulous. Right. I just played golf in this LPGA tournament. But when they introduced me on the first tee, there's like the same introduction that they introduced me at, at every golf turn, you know, Emmy winning, blah, blah, blah. And I made them change it right on the spot. I made them add New York Times bestselling author to my introduction just because it, at least it makes me seem smarter than I am. I think it makes you seem smarter. And that's why I am enjoying it. I, I found it to be one of the more validating runs. I am. Um, you know, a little sad that our great partners at our, our book company did not print the millions of books that they should have because there's so much pent up demand. And these books are now trading on eBay at a premium because they're impossible <laughs> to find. And I just wanted to make sure that all of your fans and the fans of this great podcast know that there will be a new printing of the book ordered by HarperCollins that is going to hit the shelves around March due to some of the supply chain issues affecting all industries. And you should just pre-order now and get excited because the book will be out. It is already trading at a premium. It's almost like its own NFT at this point. It is creating so much value for that first wave of buyers and readers who won't let the copies go. <laughs> buying the book is like buying an NFT. You heard it here. How many of the initial order did you did your family order was it like two-thirds no of the copies question no question that that we put a huge dent into that initial supply but i assumed it would have been an infinite supply knowing the extended silverman family's love of the book and their friends love of the book and frankly anyone who needed a christmas present and entered my house and saw the book and and demanded a copy <laughs> If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. 
In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everyone, this is Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey. I'm Mark. I'm Greg. I'm Brendan. And in this new comedy podcast, the three of us play aspiring screenwriters on a quest to get a hit Hollywood script to famous producer Dutch Huxley. Well, I would say one of us is aspiring and the other two are sort of struggling. Which one of us is aspiring? No, they're going to have to listen to the podcast. Hmm. But I don't know. And I made the podcast. I made the podcast. And I think you guys were along for the ride. Each week we bring in a script, we read it, and then we give each other notes. And you'll also hear about our adventures navigating the Hollywood uh, system. The show features amazing guests like Tim Robinson, Lily Sullivan, Weird Al Yankovic, and Rob Hubel. And like any great blockbuster, it's filled with heartbreak, adventure, suspense, and just a little tasteful nudity. And some distasteful nudity. Sorry about that, guys. Listen to Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey, starting May 9th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories cuddles and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second grade teacher, and written by my husband Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What memories... Were, were brought up to you through writing the book. What memories about The Office came, came back to you? I definitely wish I had spent more time enjoying the creative process and not the rigmarole around the show, which is kind of where I did all my, you know, my work. Like my blocking and tackling was very much on the kind of 
moat around the show to protect it and allow its creativity to just, you know, flourish without challenges. And I wish I had been on the set more and been around it even more uh, to enjoy it. And as it was going on, we were always kind of fighting for it. So I'm almost enjoying it more now. You know, someone asked me how I was doing an old friend from Europe was asking me about, you know, how I was. And I was like, you know, I'm, I've been really happy since The Office became the most watched show in modern or maybe the history of television. And he goes, I understand that. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm very, it, it makes me happy. Yeah. How was it for you? Because I know I've talked a lot about how amazing it was. I mean, there are p- so many people that I talked to for the podcast and we talked to for the book that we hadn't seen in a long time. Like people that I love and love spending time with uh, just wanted you to talk a little bit from your perspective about how it was reconnecting with those people once again on the process of of, of the book and the podcast. Well, part of me had avoided asking any of our colleagues and collaborators for kind of anything um, post-show. I had no problems uh, calling you all the time and asking to stay in your guest house or to <laughs> to play golf. But I, I did, you know, feel uh, some wonderful connectivity in making those calls, which I was nervous about. I was like, I hadn't Call it was like calling an old girlfriend, you know. I had Ricky such Gervais a deep, or yeah, yeah. I had such a deep, profound relationship for ten years, and then we kind of broke up for a little bit to go do our own projects or new things, or you know, you know, do move off into the world. And so then reconnecting through the book and the you know collected love of the the show and our experience on it was really great and i was happy to do it and i've kind of since dropped any of my hesitation about doing it as well and it's been a great exercise in in appreciation and and remembrance and you know the present day and also because we're all living the same experience which is the show's relevance uh continues to expand and and touch new generations including our own children you know which i never thought would be possible because our kids were like born at the end of the show. Yeah. I, to me, that was, well, both the most delightful, um, and the thing that made me the happiest, I think through this whole experience, I talked about calling Greg Daniels and calling Steve Carell and rain Wilson and these guys about trying to get them to participate. Would they participate in this podcast? Were they interested in going back and telling this story and how incredibly excited one that everybody was and two, how generous everybody was with their time. I mean, I remember you were there, uh, when I spoke with Steve Carell and I think we, we, we talked for three and a half hours in, in, in front of the mics and then we finished and you said goodbye and i we talked to billy eilish and then i said okay i'm going to i'm going to go uh, uh, or steve i'll walk you out to your car and we we walked out to his car and then he and i stood by his car for 30 minutes you were like where did brian go where did he where did he go and he just wanted to keep talking about the show and i was like we could have done this upstairs and i could have recorded it steve but 
I mean, that to me was so amazing that, that I think everybody had the same curiosity that we did, which is why is the show become so big now? What happened? Like, let's go back and really dive into it. And everybody seemed to want to. Totally. And, um, great example. And I think no one had asked, you know, and, and so like we gave the book, gave people a format and the podcast gave people the environment. And I think the phone calls were just the excuse, you know, they, they were looking to take that, uh, experience to the present day. And we are experiencing it through the show's popularity in the present day, but we weren't like experiencing it together. You know, and I know there had been some kind of Zoom bomb things, but these were in-depth conversations pointed and specific around our histories together. Do you have any specific memories uh, about your initial talks with Spotify about getting an oral history of the office out into the world. Do you, do you remember anything about that conversation or, or how they felt about it? I thought Spotify was like Microsoft. I just thought it was like this big corporate thing. And I, I knew that it took me like three or four hours just to figure out how to subscribe or download or utilize it on my phone. But, but once I did and I heard they were open and looking for podcasts, they seemed like a cool thing. I thought they were like kind of the Netflixy, uh, of, of that world. And we brought it up and, um, you know, our incredible team, including obviously Diego and Ling and the, and the crew and, and Liz helped us, uh, build it out. And we, we pioneered a whole genre and format. It was great. But I remember, no, it was, it was, and we had to build it out and do what we do as producers, which is really make sure that they knew the story and we built out a deck and we built that material and we showed the narrative and we really thought through what the episodes could look like, who could participate, why they'd participate, how we could break it down. And a lot of work went into it. I mean, it was a highly produced uh, experience and at the cornerstone of it and the key is who's going to host it and drive it. And that was great that we did it together, Brian, you know, you were immediately the, the only person uh, that, we could come up with who <laughs> would say yes. And we <laughs> reached out and no, but having you build it with us from the beginning was amazing. Yeah. Did you expect the book or the podcast to be, to be a hit? Did, did you feel that there was an appetite to hearing our story? I really did. I, 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 I did not to be gross about it, but I just felt like we had not told the story from the collection of great, people involved in that there was a tremendous fandom that had been built around the kind of office universe. And, and you're seeing it with the office experience in Chicago, which is it's amazing kind of experiential uh, project going on there with, with the show. And you see it with our book and you see it with the, the show's continued, you know, um, airings and repeatability and, and viewer expansion, you know, each successive, age group kind of falls in love with it. And so I think it had, in, in my mind, so much potential. And also because I knew it was us doing it and that we would do it to its potential and that we would know that we would be connected enough to the material to, to actually tell it as insiders as opposed to kind of maybe mislayering some of the psyche of the show. Yeah. We started 
the journey of of promoting a book as authors do and you and I along with Greg Daniels who wrote the forward got invited to do something very very special to me but I know that it means even more to you we were invited by the 92nd Street Y to do a live talk talk to me a little bit about the 92nd Street Y and, and what that specifically means to you it was such a fun uh fun thing to do even if if virtually uh you me and greg greg and i are new yorkers and have real passion and love for the city and both grew up with intellectual parents of the city who spent a lot of time uh hearing music or or going to um concerts or lectures at at that why where we did our event, unfortunately not in the theater, but in you know the virtual world. And my own father had written a composition in honor of an incredibly important guy to me, a man named Herman Sandler, whose family were super tight with our family. Um, and he had been murdered in the 9-11 attacks. And my dad composed music and Sting sang the sonnets that my father had composed to and written. And it was just an amazing evening and celebration of my lost father and Herman Sandler, my my real father in, in Stanley Silverman, and, you know, my immediate community. And so when we were asked to speak at the Y and Ling told us, I was like, wow, this is uh, cool. You know, this is yeah. deep. And yeah. I knew Greg would love it because it's his backyard. Right. Yeah, well, I, I did just a little looking. Authors at the 92nd Street Y, Truman Capote, <laughs> Arthur Miller, Paul McCartney, who wrote a book of poems, and you and me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, really, what, what else can you say except for that? Send me, Truman send Capote? me that list. Send me that list. <laughs> Send me that list. That'll now be a part of your bio, your introduction. Send me that list. <laughs> On a list of authors who have appeared at the 92nd Street Y, including. Yes. Something tells me our names may not show up in the same yeah, way. I, I, I don't think they'll be in this. They will not be cross-referenced back by Paul McCartney or the Capote estate as they uh, re retell their story. Yeah. Don't see that. <laughs> I want I wanna, I wanna to leave you with this from the very beginning i started asking a question i asked you before i don't know if now a year and a half since we first spoke if your answer is different what are you most thankful for from your entire experience on the office wow i think i'm thankful in a in a kind of Miss America way for the joy it's brought so many different people and the place it's played in their lives as a sense of comfort and warmth and the familial and that people look to it to provide them that and share it with their friends and that that's a pretty amazing thing to feel. It's really nice to see that and connect to people about that and to enjoy their enjoyment, you know, is, is a something well beyond any 
kind of material relationship or, uh, you know, validation from some kind of superficial edifice, just the kind of one-to-one fan-to-fan, you know, anecdote-to-anecdote that connects people's feelings of the show back to you or to me or anyone involved in the show is really a nice, is a, is a really nice thing uh, to have in your life. Yeah. You know, Greg wrote the last line of the show, there's beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? And I think that that mantra, that that idea has given people such comfort and have, have seen such truth in the show. I think for me, that's the lasting thing. That's why I keep talking about it. I think is because of the comfort that I, I I've heard from people. Um, thank you, Ben, Ben Silverman for coming on. You know, none of us would be here. I, I would, I wouldn't have a mic in front of me right now. I wouldn't be a best-selling author. Uh, and I, I know I certainly would not have been on the office had you not with your <laughs> trademarked tenacity decided to wrangle Ricky Gervais into a Starbucks and, and start all of us on this journey. I think all of us who worked on the show and, uh, and have been a part of this show and, and every show that has come out of it owes you a debt of gratitude for that. You were, you weren't just in the room where it happened to borrow a phrase. You kind of were the room that happened. Oh, thank you. So, Brian. Thank you. I can't thank you enough, brother. And I so enjoyed the great friendship we have deepening through the process of the podcast and the process of the book. And I know the best is yet to come. And uh, I just love it so much. It's been awesome. And I'm excited that you're going to give me a couple strokes next time we play because it's been rough losing you on 18 uh, in great frequency. I just want everyone here to know that stars close the show and Brian will be closing this show as he closes every golf course hole as in number 18 by draining the putt and beating his friend, Ben. Love you, brother. Thank you. Cheers, Ben. Good luck negotiating the strokes. Thank you. Well, folks, that does it for our look back over over all the incredible things that happened since the Office Deep Dive launched one year ago. And thank you, Ben, for stopping by and, well, of course, for everything. But don't worry, gentle listeners. This isn't goodbye. It is not the end of the road. Forget that. It is a new beginning. Next week, we will be taking the Office Deep Dive off the beat and it is bound to be a great time the first episode amazing so i will see you then next tuesday same time same place i cannot wait the office deep dive is hosted and executive produced by me brian baumgartner alongside our executive producer lang lee Our producers are Liz Hayes and Diego Tapia. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend Creed Bratton, 
and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zin for a spin. Zin nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zin 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. If you love comedy movies and Hollywood satire, you're going to want to listen to a brand new podcast called Get It to Dutch. In Get It to Dutch, we play three aspiring screenwriters on a quest to get a script to big-time Hollywood producer Dutch Huxley. Each week on the podcast, we perform a movie script right before your ears. It's like going to a movie with your eyes closed. And we have amazing guest stars, including Tim Robinson, Rob Hubel, Lily Sullivan, Jamie Moyer, and Weird Al Yankovic. Listen to Get It to Dutch, a screenwriter's journey starting May 9th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.